welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. Good morning. It's so good to see you. I love coming to church here. You know, it is just like Disneyland. Happiest place in the world. I think Disneyland opened this week. But I am so grateful that I was invited to this church. Uh, and that not only that I was invited, but I was embraced. And I was cared for and loved. That I could bring my family. That I could invite, invite others uh, to be a part of what God is doing in loving people. In caring. You know, I, I love this series that Pastor Ben titled, what? What? It's, is it up there? Yep. <laughs> I thought, well, it's not up there. <laughs> Made new. Made new. It's wonderful. You know, yesterday, I think yesterday, I sat out on my porch and I could literally see the grass growing. As it was made new, I could see spring. I could feel the, the beauty of new growth. And, and the sermon series has been so refreshing, so refreshing as I, as I think about new creation and new life. And then last week's hard-hitting message was what? New identity. And, and that hard-hitting picture that we started with last week, it's probably etched in your mind and you just can't forget it. Jesus with sunglasses on. No, it was Pastor Ben with those luscious locks of hair. And now all week when, I, when he said that and when we looked at the picture, all week I, when I was watching TV and the progressive commercial would come on the, with the guy with the red head and He's talking about his luscious beard that you can't hardly see. I think, I think of Pastor Ben and his hair. <laughs> it's all things new. And then the points of the sermon last week just touched my heart. And that is when your past chases you, number one, look to Jesus. Number two, hold on to the truth. And number three, don't look back. I had to meditate that on that all week because all week it was like things were thrown up from my past for me, and I had to say, that's, that's not who I am anymore. That's not what I do anymore. My heart has been changed. I've been transformed. There's newness of life. And so today we want to look at your mind, a new mind. You say, well, what difference does a new mind make? Does it really matter what I think? And the Bible says that we are to take every thought captive. That's a really, really interesting way to, to put the mind. Take everything that comes into your mind captive. And the idea is under your control. Under your control, everything that comes into your head. Wow. When I was studying for my sermon, I thought, 
oh, man, it really matters what I think. And I, I don't pay much attention to what I think. Just ask my wife. <laughs> She'll tell you, why did you say that? It's like, you know, dear, I'm not really sure why I said that. <laughs> yeah, when I was in college um, at a small Christian university out in Los Angeles in the L.A. Basin, I had a great time going to college. I love college, but I belonged to a special group in the university, and that was the wrestling team. I love to wrestle. I don't only love to wrestle, I love the camaraderie of being in a group of men and now women who, who wrestle together and who fight together and who become strong together. And the workouts are okay. But um, I had the most wonderful coach in the whole world. I still keep in contact with him. He's a wonderful Christian man, a mentor. Now, he took us all aside one day, one Friday after wrestling practice and said, gentlemen, things are going to change. We are going to be ramping up to nationals. And I need each and every one of you to trust in me and in my plan. Wow. Like, okay, coach. Well, the next week, as we were getting more and more intense, preparing for wrestling at nationals, uh, we started off with a three-mile run, which wasn't too far off the mark of what we usually did. Running was something we did in the morning and then we did before wrestling practice. And then we had a two-hour wrestling practice. And then after wrestling practice, he took us out to the track. And he said, gentlemen, I want you to run around the track under this given time. And I can't remember what the time was, But when he said the time, I can remember the gasp that I let out. I was the second largest person on the wrestling team. And uh, my buddy, who was heavier than me, looked at me and said, whoa, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. So I had a plan, you know. It's like, I have a plan. And, you know, I know I can't do it, so... I'll stop every time I go around the track and tell coach I can't do it. (laughs) That was my plan. You can tell why I had to go to college, right? (laughs) It's like, okay. And every time I say that to coach, coach says, you're going to do it. And in three laps, we're finished, and my partner, who's heavier than me, passed the time. So after a mile, he passed the time, and I was dying. I was literally sick. And I went around again. And coach said, you're going to come in under the time. And the sixth time, several of my wrestling buddies got out on the track, and they were a whole lot lighter and a whole lot quicker than me. And and they said, we're going to do it and we're going to do it now. And I said, okay, because I was dying. And you know what? 
on the sixth lap, which is a mile and a half, my mind finally gave up and trusted the process. Is the mind important? God's Word tells us, take every thought captive. Let's pray before we look to God's Word. If you'd like to lift your Bible up or your phone, if your Bible's in it, maybe you don't have either one this morning, but the Word of God's hidden in your heart, you just raise your hand. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your Word. We thank you for the power that you give us to live by faith, the power that you give us to make decisions for you, the power of your word. Guide our hearts and direct them now in Christ's name. Amen. This morning we want to look to um, Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1. And the first thing I'd like you to be aware of is is what it says there. But before we move into what it says, we have to know where we're at. And where we're at is so appropriate for today is having communion, having the love relationship with Jesus Christ, knowing that God loves you more than you love yourself. Knowing that God says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, therefore now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Wow. When I think about that in my life and think about serving a God who says to me, there's no condemnation. I love you. You're free. You're embraced. Man, I love knowing a God like that. It says in Romans chapter 1, I urge you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your body as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. What does it take to have a relationship like that with God? Now, I want to use my wife as an illustration because she's not here right now. (laughs) It's, It's always a good bet to use your wife as an illustration when she's not here, but then I forgot we're on camera, aren't we, Pastor Ben? (laughs) It's like, I better be careful. You know, when we first got married, the love relationship I had with my wife was wonderful. My wife is a beautiful person and so talented and so gifted, but I was so selfish in my giving to her, even though I loved her. And the kind of thing that I've learned over the course of years is love begins to change as you begin to say to yourself, yes, I will sacrifice 
for the love relationship. Yes, I will give up what I have and not only give up, but give up gladly what I have for you. And that's, that's the point my wife and I are at now. I would gladly lay down my wife, lay down my life. Sorry about that. <laughs> lay down my life for my wife. Why? Because I love her so much. Because she's part of me. Because of all she has done for me in my life that I couldn't do for myself. The Bible says, greater love has no man than he what? Lay down his life for his friend. Our scripture this morning says we're to be living sacrifices. Living sacrifices. What does it take to be a living sacrifice? And I thought about the two people in the Bible who were living sacrifices, and probably they come to mind for you right now. The first one is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came and was a living sacrifice, giving his life so that we would have a role model of how to live, giving his life so that we would be fully and completely empowered by God because we would be moved back into relationship with him. And the second person was Isaac. Isaac, when his father built the altar, and God told him, I want you to sacrifice your son. And Isaac went with his father to the mountaintop. And when his father told him, get on the altar, Isaac got on the altar. Wow, what, what does it take to do something like that? Number one, it takes love. Number two, it takes total trust. How would you like to be the rest of that story? You know, it says, make your life a living sacrifice. And this week when I came in and Talked with Pastor Ben. Pastor Ben said, "What you know? What's on your heart? What do you think you're going to speak on?" And we, I shared the passage with him. Pastor Ben said, "Yeah, you know, I had a professor who used to say about that passage. The only problem with that passage is living sacrifices tend to crawl off the altar." <laughs> That's an interesting thought, isn't it? You ever think of having that problem with the living sacrifice crawling off the altar? But it's so true. I get distracted. I get sidetracked. I think of other things to do, and before long, I'm not on the altar anymore. I haven't sacrificed my life to the Lord. And so it was with Isaac. At that point in time, Abraham was an old man, and Isaac was a young man. And Isaac could have easily said to his father, Father, I think you've lost it. 
and pushed him aside. But because of the trust and the love that Isaac had for his father, he was a willing sacrifice. And of course, God's design was to say, whoa, hold it. Don't do that. It's a picture for somebody later. The other thing about the passage this morning is living sacrifice. Living sacrifice. You know, God wants us to be full of freedom and full of his joy, alive. Wow! I can remember when I was in the military, and it made such a difference when I went to basic training to have an attitude of, I love what we're doing. What we're doing is great, is fantastic. And I can remember some of my buddies who were alongside, or we'd be back in the barracks shining brass, and they would say, I hate this. This is terrible. This is the worst thing of my whole life. And I said, man, this is great. This is the best thing of my whole life. Free food. Wow. It makes such a difference when you, in your mind, shift from being unhappy and unserving to being a human sacrifice. And I want to tell you that when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, you don't lose anything. You don't miss out on anything. When I was a younger man, I used to think, well, you know, all this God stuff's pretty good, but maybe not now. Maybe I'll miss out on something. I want to tell you today, you won't miss out on anything. In fact, you will gain so much more than you ever thought was possible in serving Jesus Christ. And people will look at your life and say, how did this happen to you? What did you do? I mean, really, what? why you? You can say, because I serve a God who loves me and cares about me and provides for me. We have choices to make to use our mind for God or to use our mind for ourselves. This morning, I would ask you to use your mind to make a choice that draws you into deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. Take all thoughts captive. And then we move on in Scripture, and it says, as he's talking to us about sacrificing our life by giving it to God, and it's interesting, too, that it's given on a daily basis. Sometimes when you read the passage, you don't really get that. It's like it's, it's not something that you do once and it's just done. It's something that you continue to do. Continue giving your life as a sacrifice to God. And that's, that's where I get busy sometimes and forget to continue to give my life to God. And then the next thing he says in the, in the process of choices that we're offered 
is, and do not be conformed to the world. So Paul is teaching, and all of a sudden he says, whoa, whoa, whoa wait, 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 I, I got to tell you something. Don't be conformed to the world. Now, why would he say that, and what does that mean? Confirmation means that you are pressed in to someone else's idea of truth. And specifically, their idea of truth does not allow God to be in charge. In fact, oftentimes in our society says, in fact, there is no God. Paul says, don't be conformed to the world. And I, as I was studying for my sermon, I <clears throat> read an article by several counseling professionals, and they were talking about the problem of being conformed and how some people are so easily swayed to be whoever someone else wants them to be. They said the primary problem with, conform, with being conformed is fear, which at first I thought, wow, well, I doubt that. I'm not afraid of anybody. <laughs> but then I got to thinking about it. I got to thinking, you know, that's, that's right. It is fear-based. It's you're afraid that somebody's going to think something about you. You're afraid that you're not going to be the kind of person that will be accepted. You're afraid that you're missing out. That's one that I've already confessed to this morning, afraid that you're missing out. Paul says, don't be conformed to the world. The idea is, don't be a chameleon. You know how chameleons, wherever they go, they just change colors? So if they're on the brown tree, they're brown. If they go to a green leaf, they turn green. It's wonderful. In fact, my kids, we used to go visit my parents who lived in Hawaii. My kids, when we'd come home, I can remember one time absolutely vividly that uh, one of my boys, in fact, all three of them were culprits in this, said, hey, Dad, look, and opened up his pocket, and there was three chameleons in his pocket. And, and I said, oh, guys, not a good idea, because, <laughs> like, there's laws of not taking stuff to California when, when you head back there. But all the boys had pockets full of chameleons. <laughs> yeah, Paul says to us, hey, guys, don't be chameleons. Don't let other people push you around. Stand in, and I, I think he would have added, conform to the image of Christ. Be like Christ. Don't be like the world. But he didn't say that in this passage. He just identified the problem of conforming. Along with that, conforming has the idea that somebody else is pushing you into a mold. It's an outward force working on your life. And I, ha I am very susceptible to this. I have to make a confession there. You know, when my wife says, hey, I'm going to make a Walmart run, is there anything you want from the store? I say to myself, oh, yeah, you know those things I saw on TV? Oh, they were, give me a whole box of those. <laughs> and she says, are you still on a diet? Because <laughs> society just 
entices me to, to conform. You know, I thought of two people who both face the pressure to conform. And the first group passed the test, and the second group, I mean, the first group passed the test, the second group didn't. The first is Jesus Christ. Satan came to him and said to him, surely God hasn't said or took God's word out of context and said, why don't you just serve me? Why don't you just jump off this pinnacle? Jesus said, no, no, not going to do that, not going to serve you, not going to serve myself. I'm going to follow God, and I'm not going to be conformed by the pressure you put on me. The other group of people I was thinking of was Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were faced with pressure to conform. Satan came to Eve and said, hey, surely God has not said Hey, like, let's compromise on what God's doing. Let's, you don't need to follow God's rules. Let's just sit down and think about it for a while. Wouldn't it be okay if we just compromised? Wouldn't it be okay if we just disobeyed and called it good? After all, the fruit is sweet. author tells us, number one, present your body as a living sacrifice. Number two, don't be conformed to the world. Don't allow the world to push you around. Believe in God. Believe in God's Word. Allow yourself to be fully saturated with what God is doing. And then moving on, but before we go there, I'd like to read 2 Timothy 1.7. And it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love, and some versions say of self-discipline. The idea that you must control your thoughts. It's God who gives you the spirit, the power to accomplish what needs to be accomplished. You know, when fear comes my way, and I suffer from fear, I have post-traumatic stress from being in Iraq. I suffer from an ailment that says people can't be trusted. Well, you know what? God is greater. God is greater. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Then we read on. 
says this in Romans 12, 2b. Paul says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Wow, this is awesome. Be transformed. Man, my grandkids love transformers. If there's anything they want, it's transformers. And even the older grandkids are like, yeah, Grandpa, don't, like, get me a transformer, but you could give me a transformer on the down low because I still think they're cool. (laughs) You know, they change into something different. It's wonderful. And God tells us that we are to be transformed. Or the idea actually is that we are to go through a metamorphosis, a total change into something that we're not. Wow. This is like scientific stuff. What does it take to go through a metamorphosis? I want to tell you in my life, what happened to me was... uh, I was in that small university in in California, and all my friends went on missions trips, and all my friends raised money, and all my friends got to see the power of God actually moving, and it never happened in my life. I had to work every summer to pay for college, And it never worked out. What was God trying to tell me? Maybe he was trying to tell me, join the military and see the world. (laughs) No, that wasn't what God was telling me. God was telling me, PK, I want your life to be transformed. I want you to come to the end of yourself and totally put your faith and belief in me. And it probably wasn't until I had a good career and I had married with three kids and a dog and had no opportunity left in my life to go into ministry, that God once again visited my life and said, PK, I want you to go to seminary to become a pastor. No way, God! I'm like past that. I'm over that. I, I got a family. I, got, I have a successful career. And so I talked to my friends. And most of my friends said, nah, you're, you, you're golden, man. You, you got the career going on. You're great at it. They love you. Keep going. My wife said to me, honey, If God is calling you, don't go any other direction. Let's pray about it. And so we prayed about it and we sought the Lord about it. 
And God still said to me, I want your all. So, even though it was impossible, we decided to step out on faith and say to God, okay, God, we'll go with you. I'll allow you to transform my life based on what you've called me to do. And in the back of my head, I had those gnawing, gnawing feelings of God provides for others, but not for me. But I want to tell you, a thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus Christ came that we might have life and might have life abundantly. And so we sold all that we owned so that we would be debt-free when we went to school. And the Lord was gracious with that. People bought all that we owned, which wasn't much, really. And we were moving from Utah to Texas. We had no money left. So the Lord put on my heart, which is just like totally bizarre to me. I want you to write a letter to 100 churches and I want them to tell you what God is doing in your life. I want, to tell, I want you to tell them how God has transformed you into who you are and that you're coming down to seminary. Oh, Lord, I have too much pride for that. Oh, no. Oh, no, I was at that point in my life where I said, okay, all of you, I'm in God. And I wrote the letters and I mailed them off trusting in what God said, but not trusting that churches would respond. But I want to tell you, church after church after church wrote us letters and said, come, we'll let you live for free. You see, when we allow God's Spirit into our lives, when we say yes to Jesus, miraculous things begin to happen by the Spirit of God. Even to this day, I told the story in the first service, my emotions came up. I told the story again today, my emotions came up because God is such a great God to serve. the first thing is, what? Present yourself a living sacrifice, alive for God. Be for God. The second thing is, don't be pressed into the world. The third thing is, allow God to grow you from the inside. Be transformed. Be a metamorphosis for God. See what God will do. He'll do amazing things. When I was young, my dad was in Vietnam, and my mom and my brother and I would once a month get to go to the mountains and play in the streams of the mountains and the rocks and have just a great time. Sometimes we'd have a fire 
in the mountains. It was awesome. And uh, one time we were up there playing in the stream, and we found this funny-looking fish. And, and it was about that long, and it was brown, and we, we caught it, and it was just weird. You know how you—we called it puff, the magic dragon, because it looked like a dragon. I mean, the little fish had, like, like gills that were like, whoo, whoo, like that. And he just, like—you get up close to the glass, and he just freak you out. It's like, whoa, what is this? But we thought it was cool, so we brought it home. And for a year, we fed that fish— we kept it with the goldfish. It was just an awesome little fish doing its awesome little thing, and we loved it. And one time a friend came over and said, you know what? If you feed that fish meat, it'll change. Like, seriously? Like, we think it's pretty cool now, but yeah, let's give it some meat. So we started feeding that fish meat. You know what happened? Transformation occurred. That, that fish grew legs. That fish became a lizard. It was a salamander. We never knew it. We just thought it was a weird fish. I want to tell you this morning that if you feast on the Word of God, and you allow God's Spirit to move. God will do a work in your life. As the praise team comes forward and we stand, let's offer our lives to the Lord. Let's complete Romans 12. Let's Put our hands out and say, yes, God, me. I'll serve you. I'll stand for you. I'll live for you. Let's stand together. The first thing that we need today as we seek the Lord is to communicate with him and say, thank you, Lord for your love for us. And if you don't know the Lord today and you're just entering the journey, uh, thank the Lord for his forgiveness. Thank the Lord for his plan for your life. Thank the Lord for creating you with value. God openly accepts you, embraces you and says, Welcome home. Welcome home. I'm glad you're here. The next thing is to ask the Lord to empower you, to transform you by His Spirit. The power of God in your life guiding and directing you, healing you, touching you, transforming you into the you he created you to be. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the gifts that you give us. Ah, oh, Lord. 
Help us in our weakness to follow after you. Lord, day by day, help our lives to be transformed. Lord, may we be able to tell our friends and family and neighbors about the mighty God we serve and how he touches our lives. In Christ's name, amen. Our action steps today, there's just three. The first one is read Colossians 3, 1 and 2 every day of the week. The second one is offer yourself to the Lord as a living sacrifice. And the third is tell somebody about the transformation Jesus Christ has made in your life.